0: In all that we do for God, in all that we accomplish in our ministries, in our businesses, in our families, whatever it is, that we, we have to learn how to walk in joy. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of, a, kind of a paradox. As Christians, we are to be, feel the burden for souls, the burden, okay? We're to be the burden for souls, feel the burden for souls. We're to have compassion for the needs of others. We're to understand the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. We're to understand that souls are going to hell if we don't win them to Christ. We're to understand that many of the decisions that we make are life and death, not only for ourselves but for the consequences of of other lives and other people. And so sometimes the weight of all of this comes upon us and, and we feel guilty to live in joy. Or to have fun in life. I know my husband and I were raised up in a fellowship that, and thank God for what, what we learned there. Thank God that we learned the dedication and to sell out for God. But we never took a vacation once in our life until seven years ago. And our pastor told us, if you have time for vacation, you're not working hard enough for God. And so we never took a vacation. Uh, you know, once in a while we'd slip out and take our kids fishing for the afternoon or, or the day or something, but to actually take a vacation, oh, sacrilege. And to actually, you know, feel like you could have fun in life or enjoy life was like, you know, like that was totally the flesh. And we were not to be fleshly creatures. And so, honestly, for 15 years or so, we lived almost like we were in a cult. You know, and, and I say that, you know i 'm hesitant to even say that, but honestly, the lifestyle that we lived was was somewhat cultish we weren 't ever allowed to buy things for ourselves we weren 't allowed to uh, think about even buying a, a house, a nice house or or a nice car or anything that was totally carnal, and everything was to be focused on eternity and and this life, we're just sojourners passing through. Like I preached on Sunday, you know, that misconception. We're just sojourners passing through. You know, our life is eternally minded. This life, we're just passing through. Don't even don't even look twice at it. And, you know, that's not the way that God intended us to live in this life. But sometimes we've got to unravel those, those thoughts. So we've got to unravel the weight of the world that we carry. You know, in our everyday lives, sometimes it's hard to really stir up an actual joy. Sometimes we're just racing through life and, and, uh, trying to get through the day. And where in the world would we ever have time for actual joy? You know, sometimes, you know, it's just like, This week, you know, we were supposed to have Thursday night to meet together with our pastor's wives. And, you know, we don't hardly get to even see each other all year, all year. So we were going to meet together and have have a party and have some fun and stuff. Well, as it turned out through the course of the week, I just was my schedule was so overloaded that I couldn't even come to the party. But I hear they had enough fun for me. And actually, you know, I felt it at home and, you know, just felt like they were all praying for me in the spirit. And, you know, (laughs) what was your what was your theme? The. The Powerpuff Girls. (laughs) But Sister Julia was saying last night, you know, that she'd never been in an environment like that of wacky, crazy girls. She said, you know, her her whole life she was taught to to feel guilty. For fun and, and, and enjoyment and just laughing and cutting loose. And so she said, you know, she w- was kind of nervous even about coming into the situation. You know, am I going to feel awkward? I don't know how to play games and have fun and stuff. And she said, boy, she just kicked right in. And God did a work in her. And you know what, Julie, you, you can feel it on you even this morning of just being set free and just getting out from under the weight of all the stuff the devil puts on us, you know. And so I want to talk today about the power of joy. You know, so many times we think that joy is just something giddy or childish or not important. You know, we have too many real issues to deal with. You know, if we're in the ministry, my God, we've got to feel the burden. we got to be intense. we got to be serious about this thing. And I believe we do. And, and And we are. But then if we're in the business world, we feel like, oh, you know, if you're if you're, if you're giddy or, or laughing, you know, people won't take you seriously. You know, they're not going to respect you as a professional, you know. And so we're dealing with all these conflicts. Um, but Jesus tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy, now we all know that, but let that sink in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But we look at that and we think, we just think of the little childhood songs, you know, the joy of the Lord. You know, we think of the songs that we teach in Sunday school to the little kids, you know, what is it? I got the joy, 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 you know, and we think of joy as something childish or, or just for little children or a Sunday school thing. Oh, the joy of the Lord. But I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is the root It's what's down in our souls so that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face in life, the joy of the Lord rises up within us and becomes our strength. The Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said it wasn't enough for you to just hear it one time. I got to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so we are commanded to make that choice to rejoice in the Lord always. You see, so many times we don't understand that joy and faith are basically the same thing. You know, because so many times people come, they have problems, they have burdens, they're coming for counseling or whatever, and they come in and they're beaten down. And you can just see on them that they're defeated. Well, if they're defeated in their joy, obviously they're defeated in their faith. So, obviously, what the Lord is telling us here is not just a superficial emotion. He's talking about something that we make a choice on the inside and that rises up within us and that we choose joy. We choose to believe. We choose to walk in faith. We look at our circumstances. We look at the Word. We choose to believe the Word. And if we really believe the Word... If we believe that God has the answers for our problems, if we believe his promises are true for us personally, then what are we doing moping? What are we doing under it? What are we doing weighted down and burdened down? If we really believe it, then let's tell our body to act like we believe it. Let's put it on. You know, now I remember when I was first saved and and I'd been saved maybe six months or something and I... Uh, was dealing with a lot of conflicts, you know, how new convert does and transitioning out of the world and into Christianity and, you know, dealing with a lot of emotional struggles. And I went to my pastor and I said, you know, I just, you know, I'm really struggling with these emotions. You know, I said, I'm, I'm angry. I'm, I'm ticked off at people. You know, I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm not happy, you know, and I'm supposed to be happy as a Christian. What's going on here? You know? And he gave me Some counseling and different things specifically. But then he said, now the most powerful tool I can ever teach you is to put it on. Fake it till you make it. The Bible says to put it on. And I was like, isn't that being a hypocrite? Isn't that being fake? I have to be true to what I feel. You know that, well, I just feel this way and so I'm just going to say it. You know, I'm not going to be a liar. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to act nice when I feel angry. (laughs) And he said, well, that 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 is being a hypocrite because you're to do what the word says. The word says to put it on. And I said, but I don't feel it. How can I do it? And he said, let me give you an illustration. He said, if you're going to build a concrete wall, you don't just go pour cement and expect it to stand upright. He said, you have to build a structure. You have to build a fake structure first out of wood. Now, you never intend that wood to be your concrete wall, but you first have to build something to contain the real. And so he said, when you put on happiness and joy, when you put on kindness, you're building a structure that God can then fill in the real thing, the real concrete, and when it hardens, it is real. It becomes real. And that was probably one of the first life-changing moments that I had aside from getting saved itself, was I realized that I could take control of my emotions. I could make a choice to be happy. I could make a choice to be kind. I could make a choice not to be simmering in anger and anxiety. I could I could choose not to be depressed. And when I began to put it on, take the word, take the power of God that was available to me and walk in faith, I actually had the ability to change my circumstances. To change my very being. And it is so powerful. Because most people never even realize that they can be somebody else. They can be somebody beyond what they're born with. They can be somebody beyond what maybe their mother was. Or what their father was. Not, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. but But how many times you hear yourself nagging at your children. You go, oh man, I sound just like my mom. (laughs) How many can relate to that? I mean, I love... I love my mom. She was an incredible woman. But I'm telling you, when she was ticked, you knew it. And she had a tone. She had, I mean, you could walk in the house and feel it. And I have that same ability. <laughs> I inherited the good and I inherited the other. <laughs> and so we have the ability through the power of God to change our very character, our very nature. Now, God loves us just the way we are. He absolutely loves you. And we don't have to change one bit for him to love us anymore. It's not like the more he changes, the more he loves us. He loves you as much as he possibly ever will. But the concept that we don't have to change or that we don't have to improve ourselves is like, it's like buying a, you know, when you go to uh, the Kmart and they have that section over there, damaged items. And there's that sign that says, buy as is. Well, that's kind of how we come to God. You know, if we don't want to change, it's like, this is the way I am. You're buying me as I am, and I ain't changing. (laughs) You know, I mean, he's still going to love you, but you're going to rob yourself of your destiny. You're going to rob yourself of all that God has for you. Now, you know, my my sister likes to give me a hard time because she thinks that I can be really... Cold sometimes with with people's needs and with with their counseling because one of my favorite counseling lines is "snap out of it." <laughs> now that's extreme. I have a lot of compassion and and I have a, a lot lot of not a lot of patience but I do have a lot of compassion. <laughs> but basically the bottom line is you know let's snap out of this. I have this little. Little coffee cup and a little bookmark. It's that, that little cartoon girl that's standing there. And it says right there, snap out of it. And that's what I keep in my top drawer where I pull my pens and everything. I keep it there because I, every day I pull it open and snap out of it, Tiz. Get a grip. Get on with it. Walk out. (laughs) 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 And it's not that, it's not that we don't have compassion. It's not that we're minimizing problems. But what I'm saying is we can't live under those problems. You know, we have the choice to let circumstances determine our future. And I refuse to let the enemy determine my future. I refuse to let other people determine my future. People can talk bad about me, they can do mean things to me, they can tell lies about me, they can hurt me, they can rip me off. People can do all sorts of things to me. But at that point, I have the choice what I'm going to do with all of that. Am I going to wallow in it? Am I going to have a pity party for myself? Am I going to get even? Am I going to get revenge? Am I going to get anxious and stressed out? And rob myself of my future? My feelings is the devil ripped me off of my past. I am not giving him my future. Amen. Amen? Why should we? Why should we give him one more minute of our life? Because ultimately, you've got to understand it's not a person that hurt you, it's not a person that ripped you off, it's not even a person that divorced you. You know, yes. The, that person had a part in it, but the devil uses people to try and destroy our lives. He is the 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 one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, when you find out who the enemy is, the Bible says he has to repay you sevenfold. So, whatever you lost in your life may have been on the surface caused by a person, but ultimately the devil was the thief. The devil was the one who, who created those circumstances that robbed you of, of maybe your marriage or, or turned your children against you or ripped off a financial business venture, whatever. It was the enemy that came in and tried to destroy your life. So you recognize it's not those people. Don't hold a grudge against those people. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at the enemy and focus your 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 attack against him. You know, there is such a thing as righteous indignation. And, you know, just last night, Kathy and I were talking about, about people that we've lost through cancer and, and premature deaths and how angry that makes us. But that anger is a righteous indignation. That anger is something that God uses to stir up on the inside of us and to fight that battle even harder and not to let that happen anymore and to get into the word and to propel us to greater heights in God. So whatever loss the devil has brought in your life, use that to propel you to greater heights in God. Amen? You understand what I'm saying there? I see so many Christians that are just down and defeated all the time and just living under it. You know, it's like you ask them, well, how are you doing? Well, not bad. (laughs) You know, how's it going? Well, you know, under the circumstances, I guess I'm doing all right. And you all know the answer to that, right? (laughs) What are you doing under the circumstances? You're not supposed to live under, under the circumstances. We're supposed to live on top of the circumstances. We're supposed to, you know, <clears throat> that's why I love my morning prayer time. It empowers me. It's where I take out all that anger and aggression. It's where when all the stuff that comes our way and that we have to deal with, where I realize where that's coming from and I get in and man, I get to pace in it and stomp in it. Devil, you get in your place. You are not going to do. I'm drawing a line. You are not crossing over this line. I command you to take your hands off of these people. And that's where you get empowered. And that's where you, you, you need to focus that aggression and that energy. See, don't just lay back and take it. I mean, it's like, it's like walking into a, you know, a boxing arena. I guess we can use boxing as a women illustration now that boxing is a women's sport as well, (laughs) but it's like walking in there and just, I'm in the fight, bam, 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 you know, and you just lay, you know, let them just take you, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight back. And so you've got to get some aggression. That's not very feminine, Sister Tiz. That's not very, well, I'm sorry, but you're here because you want what we got and that's the way that we is. <laughs> I, I don't know how to just be, you know, a Southern Belle or, <laughs> I mean, a Southern Belle is wonderful, but I'm talking about primping and never getting, you know, just being waited on and, you know, let's, Get in the fight. Let's get in and change some things. Let's get in there and shape the course of history. But more than that, the course of our own lives and our families. You know, I know a lot of Christians say, well, don't watch the news. It's negative. You don't need that in your spirit. And I believe that to a certain degree. But sometimes if I'm watching the news and and it puts me in touch with the needs of people and the things that are going on in our own city and it propels you to realize, man, you know, we have a work to do. We've got lives to change. We've got people to save, wrecks to, to salvage. We've got a work to do. And so just to be bogged down and weighted down with our own lives and our own problems, you know, I just, I just, it's not acceptable to me. You know, I call it ingrown-itis, eyeball-itis. Ingrown eyeballs. You know, your whole world revolves around looking inside and, you know, my life and poor, poor me and, you know, it, it's like the black hole. So, you know, when I talk about snap out of it and walk out of it, <laughs> I'm not minimizing problems and I'm not, not having compassion. You know, I could, I could compare war stories with, with anyone in the house today. You know, I could compare hard times with, with anybody. So I'm speaking out of my own life and where I've had to come to in my own life to survive and to get past my past and to get past the things that the devil has brought to try and rip us off and cancel out our future. So I'm talking about a righteous indignation that God has put in our hearts. But I want to talk about the power of laughter in all of that. And the power of fun and joy and happiness and, and the different forms of joy. And Proverbs 17.22, which actually would be my text if you want to try turning to a scripture. <laughs> but Proverbs 17.22 says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Now I'm sure you all know that scripture. But let's just talk about The physical ramifications of laughing. Do you know that laughing actually produces and releases hormones in your body called endorphins? And those are the same hormones that your body releases to heal itself. If you've got an injury, your body is pumping endorphins into that particular area to heal it. And when you laugh, those same endorphins are released into your body. That's why... It's so amazing, this scripture that says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I mean, there is actually a physical element that is taking place in your body to bring healing to your body, to your emotions, to your spirit. And so laughter is very healthy. But the other side of that says that a broken spirit dries up the bones. See, we can have a broken spirit, but we don't have to allow it to take control of our life and dry up our bones, dry up our very spirit and being. You know, the American Medical Association made a statement that that says that half the people in hospitals are there from diseases caught from the mind. That's the American Medical Association. And, you know, any doctor will tell you that patients heal much, much faster if they can maintain an optimism and a happy attitude. You know, doctors today are doing a lot of studies on miraculous healings. And even though they can't really understand the supernatural side of it, but they say without a doubt the hope that people have to be healed definitely plays a very positive part in them getting healed. Aside from even the supernatural touch of God healing them, Doctors will ha- will admit any day of the week that someone who has a positive attitude and keeps their hope has a, like a 90% better chance of healing and getting well than a person who is defeated and and has lost hope. So it's a powerful, powerful force. Uh, I read an article recently, a secular article called The Fountain of Youth. And of course it caught my attention. <laughs> Wouldn't it catch yours? so they were talking about this is a secular article and they were talking about this study that they did on people who seem to have found the fountain of youth and they interviewed people you know who were maybe 50 60 youngsters youngsters (laughs) but anyway all different ages of people but the thing they said over and over again that they found out is the people that seem to physically stay young are those that have an attitude that is positive keep joy in their life and even in the midst of tremendous heartache and circumstances, have learned to live above those and keep a joyful attitude. See, it's not just a nice little theory for Christians. It is a physical reality that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's actually something incredibly powerful. Now, you can look at people, I mean, you can see people that have, have had a negative attitude their whole life. I mean, you can, you can see it. It's, it, it reminds me of, say, when you meet somebody, you know, and I hope this is nobody in the house here today, but, you know, if, if you've ever met like an 80 year old woman who has smoked her whole life, and you can just see it, it, because smoking actually is terrible for you. And you see the, the lines, How it just sucks all of the life. It's actually toxic and poison that goes into your entire body, saturates your whole being and seeps out through your pores and, and, you know, you can, it smells. I mean, you can smell a person and it's not just the smoke on them. It's, it's with from the inside out. And to me, that's like a physical illustration about physical toxins that you're pumping into your body versus spiritual. When you see somebody who has saturated themselves with negativism, saturated themselves with bitterness, envy, jealousy, you can actually see it. And just like how a smoker cannot smell it on themselves, on the spiritual realm, people that are saturated with a spiritual toxic, they, they don't even know it. They don't even smell it on themselves anymore. They don't even sense it on themselves. You know, I, I've seen 80, 90-year-old women, 70-year-old women that they're all, you know, I mean, we're all going to wrinkle to some degree. But I'm talking that bitter that dries up the bones, that just consumes your your being. And oftentimes you talk to them and, you know, it was something that started maybe when they were 20 you know, or when they were a child and yet they just focused on it. That became the whole focus of their life. And their whole life became geared towards revenge, saturated with bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness. And who loses out of that? I guarantee you, if somebody hurts you, you know, they have moved on in their life. They're off hurting somebody else. <laughs> but when we Focus on that and we take it upon ourselves and just carry it. That person is off having a good old time, you know, but we rob ourselves. We rip ourselves off. We hurt ourselves. And, you know, I'm just self-interested enough not to do that. (laughs) Now, it's a challenge. I'm not saying it comes easy. I mean, you know, there was a point when we broke from the group that we were with and and the fellowship that we'd been raised up in. And we tried to part on good terms and we tried to move on to a new phase of our lives. We knew that that's what God was calling us to do. But every day we'd get these calls. Oh, did you hear what they're saying about you now? And did you hear about this? And this is going on and all of this. And, you know, nobody likes to be lied about. Nobody likes to have people talking bad about you. And at that point, you know, we lost everybody in our lives that we'd poured our lives into for 15 years. 15 years of our life flushed in the natural realm. And that's what it looked like because nobody was allowed to talk to us. They all thought we were Judas, you know. I mean, it was, it was very, very painful. It was very traumatic. It was very unsettling because everything that we had staked our lives on, based our lives on, all of a sudden now wasn't real anymore. And we were very confused, we were very hurt, we were tremendously uh, uh, torn apart about this whole thing. But we made a choice at that point that our past was our past, we were going to learn from it, but we would not allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. We made a choice, but every single day, when the moment I would wake up, that world, I mean, those thoughts and that whirlwind, that getting even kind of a, I'll tell you what I'll do. You want to talk about me that way? I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to call the, I'm going to call the tabloids. That's what I, you know, I mean, we have thoughts of revenge. We have thoughts of getting even. We're all fleshly. We're all human. We all tick the same. You know, when you've been hurt, you want to get even. When you've had an injustice done to you, you want to make it right. When somebody has spoken a lie about you, you want to tell the world and set the record straight. But sometimes you can't. And so you've got to live with an unresolved conflict. And so every morning during this time, I mean, we would just get up and get into prayer and get the mind of God and, and refuse to entertain those thoughts. Literally put them down and focus on our future focus on the good things that God was going to do because at the time we didn't have any good thing to look at that he was doing there was no reality in our life of the future you know we were caught in a time warp of, of where we had come from and where we were going and so we had to just grasp things to look towards we had to grasp the Word of God and every morning God You will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, you are going to bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. People that will have a heart after your own heart. People of a kindred spirit. God, your word says you'll give us people for our life. Lord, we're calling them in. I'm seeing them. We're seeing them. God, I know you're going to replace everything the devil ripped us off from with good things. And, I mean, we chose to focus. And then people would call us and say, well, did you hear this? And, And, you know, we would just say, you know what? We love you. God bless you. Go on with your life any way you want to. This is the direction we're going. And unless you have something good and positive to say, don't call us anymore. And we didn't say it out of a vengeful heart. We didn't say it meanly. But we said it out of survival we have a future that we're going towards and sorry to say many of those people you know 10 years later are still wallowing in all that crud all that junk that's the only thing that they have to talk about is negative things and 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 bad mouthing people and gossip you know you can live in that realm there's plenty of people that want to drag you down and keep you in that realm but at some point you got to walk out oh i'm going to work that thing girl So you have to make a choice to walk in joy. You have to make a choice when, you, when you're under it. You know, uh, I remember, I remember another time and we had just moved back from Australia, you know, and we were getting, getting involved here, getting started. And of course, you know, in Australia, uh, you don't have really Christmas over there. They celebrate Christmas, but it's in the middle of summer. So it's kind of hard to bake a turkey, you know, when it's 115 degrees and no air conditioning. I tried it one year. (gasps) And I was pregnant, too. (laughs) It's like, oh, I was so sick, that smell of turkey, oh, you know. (laughs) Anyway, that was the last Christmas we had for six years. (laughs) From there, it was cold cuts and barbecue. (laughs) Anyway, you know, I come back and it was Christmas and it was snowing and I made a, tr- did a tree and decorated everything and oh, I was just feeling so happy and all of a sudden just sadness, sadness came on me because I, all of a sudden, you know, of course Christmas reminds me of my family and you know, I had lost my mother just a few years before that, you know, and you know, and, oh, all of a sudden, you know, instead of the joy, of being home for Christmas finally back in the United States, all of a sudden all that spirit of sadness and grief came on me and I'm not saying we don't have to deal with grief grief is a very real emotion that we have to deal with in a in a healthy way but what I'm saying is this you know this was a this was my first Christmas home with my family and so i'm standing in in, in the kitchen and you know I'm cooking and all of a sudden I'm just Weeping and weeping, and the kids are outside playing in the snow, and, you know, Larry's out pulling them on the sled or whatever, and I'm in the kitchen, boo-hooing, watching them out there sledding. <laughs> you don't know my grief. You're having a good time, and I have a loss. You know, and, I, you know, I... I <laughs> And all of a sudden they come running through the door, you know, and the kids run downstairs. They didn't know. And Larry looks at me. Well, what's, what's the matter? Just missing my mom. Oh, well I gotta put the sled away. <laughs> all of a sudden that grief took on a different form. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. I thought I could really work this thing. (laughs) So right then and there, I was confronted with a choice. And they were going to go on. You know, it was Christmas. They needed to be joyful. And I wanted to have joy. But all of a sudden, I was confronted with, you know, A whole nother emotion. And I made the choice right there and then at my sink. You know what? This is not the day to be grieving. This is not the day to have this emotion. You know, if I need to, I'll deal with this on another day. But today, I'm going to make the choice to go sledding. I'm going to make the choice to enjoy my first Christmas back in the States with my family. Yes, I missed something from my past, but I have my life today. I have a future today. And I made the choice right then and there. I put up the the, the stick wall, the wood wall, and the concrete came in and filled. And, I mean, that thing broke on me. I prayed, yes, but more than the prayers, I made a choice. Because even prayers won't help you if you don't make a choice to walk out of it. And so, right then and there, I said, "Okay, shake it off. I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to be angry. Then nobody cares. <laughs> I'll deal with that later." <laughs> but as for today, it's Christmas. I'm going to have a great day. And man, we went out, played in the snow. I mean, we had a blast. But it was a choice. Sometimes people say, "You don't understand. I can't just choose to be happy. I can't just turn it off and on like that." Oh, yes, you can, to a degree. There's times, yeah, you got to really work it. And there's times, you know, you make the choice and it's kind of a little mini step at a time, you know. But yes, you can turn in that direction. And yes, as you start walking in that direction, it starts to come on you more and more. The concrete begins to harden. Maybe the concrete doesn't harden just like that, you know. Concrete, how many, how many times do you walk down a sidewalk? You see some footprints, everybody's handprints. Because concrete doesn't harden just like that. It takes a while for it to harden. And so in your spirit, when you're trying to get that real emotion to to harden and become real, it's going to take a little bit of effort and continual effort. Because especially if you've entertained those kind of thoughts for a long time. Now, you know, a lot of people like to live in that realm. You know, there's a high in being low. Especially on a rainy day. You know, it's a sunny day. Oh, man, let's get out and do something, you know? Wow, you know? You want to do something. You feel alive. The rain comes. It's kind of a blue day. I think I'll just stay in bed today, drink hot cocoa, read a sad book, (laughs) and hope somebody comes in and rubs my shoulders. (laughs) You know, I mean... It affects us. And so, you know, there's sometimes you got to just shake it off. you got to just walk out of it. <laughs> but, you know, we, we really, my husband and I, you know, we've, we've we've lived a few years. And we've done a few things. And we've overcome some hard times and gotten through some stuff. Life hasn't always just been a sunny day where you just feel good. I mean, I remember when we lived in, the first time when we moved to Australia. And I mean... Oh my word. I mean, we, you know, we were, we were young and we left everything and we moved to a foreign land where we knew nobody. And at that time, Australia wasn't like you saw in, you know, the little Olympic interviews and oh, what a cute little place. I'm telling you, it was a tough place. That was a land that had av- never had a move of God before. You know, you might be able to go there and have a nice little vacation, but I'm telling you, when you go in to set up dominion, you go in to set up shop for God and to take over the devil's turf, you're going to fight some mind battles. And you're going to fight some oppression because you are literally fighting the devil himself. That country, this was almost 20 years ago, they had never had a move of God. The uh, The last great evangelist that came at that time was Oral Roberts. And they ran him out of the country. He left the country in the middle of the night, in the middle of the crusade, shook the dust off his feet. Said, I am out of here. He ran for fear for his life. He had death threats. And he took off and left there. And we come in, you know, let's let's win their city to Jesus. Let's have her. I'm telling you, we went through the worst mind battles. I mean, it was it was touch and go. You know, whether we were even sane, it was scary because I saw our mental facilities leaving. You know, it's like This is scary. Are we going to come out of this country alive? You know, I mean, honestly, it was, it was a real, real serious challenge. Plus, we were in the, you know, we were only married for a few years and so we were still in the midst of what family curses message came out of. So I'm talking to you, not just as some superficial little cheerleader. (laughs) I'm talking to you from, I've lived this stuff. I've walked this stuff out. I've, I've, you know, gotten through some stuff. And I'm telling you, this is survival. And so so when we were over there, we started building a little congregation. You know, we had like maybe 20 people that were coming, maybe 15, actually. And we were in this icky little uh, old abandoned bank building. You know, or not abandoned, but a closed-down bank building. And it was just creepy. And, you know, we had no money to fix it up, so we did our best. You know, paint a stripe on the wall, the old stripe trick, you know. <laughs> Get some uh, newer used carpet. <laughs> Slap it down, make a sign, you know, hand, hand, I did our signs back then. I can paint a sign as good as the rest of them. You know, you run out at the end, victory (laughs) chapel. Whoops. Uh, That's an EL written in that little fine print. (laughs) I mean, to tell you, you know, it was poverty. (laughs) Poverty. But, I mean, we were so, I mean, we literally, honestly, this is, we would cry all day. We would, we were so depressed. It was so terrible. And right in the middle of this, you know, we'd only been there a couple months and, um, you know, we didn't know anybody. And we had left a a church that we'd built for three years, just loved those people, thought that we'd pour our whole life into them. We'd live there the rest of our life. It was Hispanics and they're just, you know, just so warm and loving and we get over there and going to this restaurant one night, and we're talking and and just, you know, talking at a table with this couple that had started coming to the church. And, I mean, this guy gets up from the other side of the restaurant, walks right up to us, gets right in our face, said, what are you yanks doing in our country? <laughs> well, you know, we started, we don't need you here. And that was really the sentiment of Australia at that particular time, you know. And so that sentiment, I mean, it, it was we had to deal with that and live with that every single day and there would be days i mean honestly we'd just we'd just be trying to get our head above water and just try you know and, and literally just trying to hold it together all day but then when it was time for church i mean we'd get in the car we'd get down there to that church and we'd pull up to the church and we'd say all right it's time to put it on And I mean, not that we weren't trying to put it on all day, but I mean, when it came time for church, we would walk in there and we would have the victory and we would begin to minister to those people and we just would pour our lives into them. And they never had a clue what we were going through because we had a job to do. We had a world to win. We had a nation to change. And we'd come in there and we would pour our lives into them.